I don't know. Where I want to go where the people go. I Ask them know some questions. Where I'm going to go when the volcano blows. answer. Oh my gosh. Part of my Your head, head is invisible. Your head's invisible? We're having lighting problems today. Lighting? Well, it's, it's the glare. It's the light. It's the lighting. It's the glare. Come on. It's the glare. So How's it I'm, going, Charles? I'm translucent. Um, and here I will now become fully visible. Wait, he fixed it. That's better. No, that's not so good. What you had before was better, wasn't Hold it? Hold on. Anyway, I want to be visible. I want you to see me so you know I'm not, not just a disembodied head. Yeah, it's, it's a little dark, but it's good. Sure. Well, no, I, I'm going to brighten that up a bit. No, I'm just taking off my... Okay. That? Yeah. No, no, no. Still translucent. See, that was Is a it trans... brighter, though? Yeah, it's brighter. My gray shirt's not translucent. Oh, got some light. All right. I know a bit. Um, I, what I really don't want is my head to be tra to be translucent. Yeah, that's okay. That'll work. Just bend your head down. So I look see. really white, but you are really white. Yeah, that's true. We've I'm often, not as white as you are. Exactly. This is a joke we had a few years ago, because I <laughs> oh, am. Oh shoot! Your wife didn't like that joke. I'll leave it then. How about I love European culture? Yeah. Can I say that? Sure. Want to say that? I love going culture. Wow. I don't even know what that is. I don't either. I couldn't. I don't know, even think I they don't. have a distinct culture, do they? They do have a distinct culture. They? I'm just, I, just, I don't know the language. I don't live there. I've never seen the place. But it is where my family's from. Goa, hence Goan. And okay. your family, the Zettels, are ostensibly from Alsace Lorraine. Alsace Lorraine on the French border with Germany. Mm -hmm. But we've been here now for 150 years. So I would say our culture is thoroughly Bruce County and. Um, one thing I always think is funny is to laugh at people for their culture, including, I suppose, I hope my own culture, whatever that may be. Uh, you know what? I found something really sad out recently. Here's a weird thing. You'll understand this because you're not, you've never been in this situation. So people laugh at cultures, including their own sometimes, when they have a culture. But you know where I grew up in Brampton? It was Bramley, actually, all these subdivisions. Nobody, think about this, nobody had grandparents. There were no oh, grandparents. Really? No grandparents around. My grandparents were around. They died. Because they were all still, Everybody was new. Everybody was still new. overseas. Yeah. Wow. I never yep. even thought no of that. No grandparents. Imagine growing up in a community where nobody has grandparents. Because I just took for granted knowing my know. grandparents. I even had a great grandma until 2009. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is so strange. I used strange. to visit her all the time. When I, was a, when I was a teenager, I spent a lot of time back at her great grandma's house. Yeah. My mom's grandma's house. She was old. She was almost 100 hmm. when she died. Wow. Beatrice O'Hagan. She's a legend. Hmm. A legend in Chepstow. How so? What was her? What oh, was just, her just everybody knew her because yeah. she'd lived there her entire life. And right. She was like 98 years old. Mm -hmm. So everybody knew who she was. Young, old, everybody. She made, um, at, at uh, Halloween, she would give out popcorn, homemade popcorn balls, hmm. like the caramel. Oh, wow. And all the popcorn stuck together in like a ball and she'd wrap it up. Wow. And they were like, I'm telling you. Hmm. She, I'm sure she gave out a hundred of those every every Halloween. Sounds really worth everybody it. Everybody wanted like those. caramel corn, but even more intense. Caramel perhaps. corn, but like jam, like mashed Champion into a or... ball. You can just eat it like like an apple. Oh yeah, they were awesome. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. Now I've learned something. And, <laughs> uh, nobody knows nobody like those. their grandparents around. So, uh, but the thing about cultures as well is that people make fun of each other, and also this is going to tie into the the um, backgrounder. People judge each other based on culture. Most people think their own culture is like supreme. Hmm. That's just a common feeling people have. Yeah. Um, it's like natural, I would say. Yeah. Um, this is about judging. 
Can I just jump right in the background? Yeah, yeah, do it. Any more kibitzing? No? No. All right. It's okay. Okay. The weather's nice and I got to go home sometime soon. Yeah. Jesus. I have my motorcycle today. Jesus is a judge. That's what I was going to say. That picture back there is somebody's symbolic representation of Jesus as a judge. There is nowhere else to go than to him when we leave this life. Jesus will one day judge the whole world and who wants to be judged. Because when we think about being judged, we often feel shame. That's a common feeling. Uh, maybe this is because we are, for example, hard on ourselves. A lot of mental illness or anxiety, like or depression, may come from such feelings and may amplify them, in fact. Even people who are not clinically mentally ill may judge themselves inadequate, incompetent, worthless, just not good enough. And yet Jesus is truly a judge. Why might we want or even need Jesus to be our judge? First, I'd say, so I've got some reasons. First, because uh, we are made to desire justice. We want to live in a world where people who harm the innocent are held to account, even punished for their wrongdoing. The world needs to be set right when we do wrong. Second, only once we are judged are we ready for the next step, reconciliation. Sin, which is the name we give to wrongdoing in, in the faith, is a wound to a relationship. And only once we accept judgment, the truth of who we are and have been, can we then await reconciliation. Third, judgment and reconciliation open the way to healing. God gives us his Holy Spirit to come and heal what we in our sinfulness have broken. But I want to complicate matters quite a bit more. <laughs> the whole world is enmeshed in sin, and we are simply unable to untangle the knots of harm which we've caused each other. The Bible says that this mess in which we are entangled is ancestral, stemming from the first sin falling away from God. Jesus is our judge because only in his love can we both see who we really are and receiving the healing that will make us whole. And that is our backgrounder for this week, Sam. I thought you might like this backgrounder because it reminds me of some of the stuff you've talked about. About the bad news. Bad news and good news. Bad news is part of the good news. Also being radically hospitable and radically honest with I people. I feel like I do have some because our last youth meeting was about this. Oh, yeah? So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very, very, very much about this. So, you're going to pray? Yeah. In the, name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Oh, God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are, um, you are our judge and that you are the source of all goodness, um, that you are righteous and holy, and that uh, we acknowledge, Lord, that we are sinful, that we have fallen, that we have inherited um, the problem of sin, this death that sin brings to the world is also our problem. But I thank you, Lord, that in your son, Jesus, you have reconciled us, you have redeemed us and atoned for our sins. We thank you, Lord, for, for all that means for us, that we can have joy and we can have new life, that we can um, have hope in the resurrection, hope that one day when we face our judgment, we stand before Jesus, the good judge, that we will, um, we will be judged for, for the things we've done, but also we will be recognized as his family. At least that is our hope. And so, Lord, we just ask you, Lord, to take another step um, toward you today, that we would be able to draw even closer to you, to receive even more of your grace, to try to live uh, according to your will, according to your word, to follow the commandments and to live like you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, Matthew 25, 31, Jesus said to his disciples, when the Son of Man comes in his glory 
and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne and all nations will be assembled before him. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. From the foundation of the world, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. A stranger and you welcomed me, naked and you clothed me, ill and you cared for me, in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or clothe you, clo or naked and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and visit you? And the king will say to them in reply, Amen, I say to you, whoever... Whatever you did for one of the least brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. A stranger, and you gave me no welcome. Naked, and you gave me no clothing. Ill and in prison, and you did not care for me. Then they will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or ill, or in prison? and not minister to your needs. He will answer them, Amen, I say to you, what you did not do for one of these least ones, you did not do for me. And these will go off to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Do you want to just read part of it for the second time through? Sure. Which part? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. I don't know. I guess the whole thing. Jesus said to his disciples, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne, and all the nations will be assembled before him. And he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right, and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. A stranger, and you welcomed me, naked, and you clothed me, ill, and you cared for me, in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and visit you? And the king will say to them in reply, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of the least brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. A stranger, and you gave me no welcome. Naked, and you gave me no clothing. Ill, and in prison, and you did not care for me. They will, then they will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or, or a stranger, or naked, or ill, or in prison, and not minister to your needs? He will answer them, Amen, I say to you, what you did not do for one of these least ones, you did not do for me. And these will go off to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. I got something. Okay. Take it away, Charles. Well, depart from me is what got my attention, because mm. this is the part I think that's really difficult. And yeah. uh, I was actually remembering as I said those, thought of those words and decided to focus on them. I remember, like, when I liked a girl when I was in high school, 
like having a really awkward conversation with this one girl more than once, happened more than once, I'm sure. It was like, kind of wanted to ask her out or something. And yep. um, yeah, it was just, I felt really awkward because, because I was afraid of being rejected. And so those words depart from me, bother me. And I think in a, I hope a good way is like, I'm thinking, so, so many people have been rejected. Does Jesus actually, is he actually going to be the person like rejects people who've been rejected a lot? I don't know. Does that make any sense? That's what I was kind of struggling with a bit. So I would like to just pause on that thought that rejection is something bad. Depart from me sounds like a rejection. Isn't that bad? Because that's really just compounding things that are bad already. I'm not sure. I, I don't want to end with that thought. I just mean that's the first thing that came into my mind. It was this memory, like I said in the background, or feeling ashamed because I wasn't good enough and rejected and stuff. Anyway. Yeah, like awkward. you were thinking of how you felt when you were rejected and how... I wasn't actually rejected. I just felt awkward even before I said anything to this girl. I remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, something along those lines I was thinking when you were speaking is that rejection is actually one of the worst things we can experience mm -hmm. as a human. Yep. Like, it, it, really, it, it really is the sort of primordial evil you can do against someone is to reject them. Mm -hmm. You know, they put themselves out there. I think that's why teenage, like, why being a teenager is so hard because also, as teenagers do that to the to each other, and yeah. it's, it's you're like, for, from an adult's perspective, it doesn't make any sense, and it's like mm -hmm. uh, they don't realize how much they can hurt someone by rejecting them. Yeah. Um, anyway, and eternal punishment, I think it's safe to say is is like a almost like a place of eternal rejection, mm -hmm. right? That's actually why why the souls in eternal punishment suffer is because of their isolation, right? Their separation from God. Their separation from God, which so they caused. Yeah, we're talking about hell. Yeah. They, which they caused them to themselves um, by rejecting love in its purest form. Sounds awful, as you said. So why, it sounds like the, the thing I'm struggling with is the, the way this parable... Why would Jesus do this to somebody? He, it sounds like he's compounding <laughs> the harm yeah. by rejecting the people. So I don't... I almost, here's what I would come, I would come down on this. We don't have an intellectual answer to what it means that Jesus, who is love, is also a judge. Because we can, the problem is these days, especially, I think there's a tendency to say, oh, let's go, let's let go of that whole judge thing. That's really bad. Judging is bad. But it's actually not bad. It's actually something we need. That was kind of the point of the backgrounder. We actually need judgment so that we can, we need honesty. That's another way of just saying this. Same thing. We need honesty. I need to know honestly from someone I love, from people I love and care about, like Jesus principally, who I actually am, what I'm actually like. Because without honesty, I'm just going to go keep going through life as less than I'm supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, because you, you can be easily self-deluded. Sure. Right, into thinking you're something you're not or good and you're not. Um, okay, what I was going to say is that um, like I, I too have a problem with something Jesus did here. Okay. Um, so there, there's two things. One is culpability, mm -hmm. okay? Um, and the other one is, um, so the one is the, one is the culpability of both the groups. Okay, right. are, are they either of them culpable for what they did? Because mm -hmm. both of them seem surprised. Right. Um, the second thing is that um, both of them don't recognize Jesus. In the people they either the, helped or ignored. In the people they either helped. So both right. of them made them like were mistaken in, in identifying mm -hmm. Jesus. Yeah. And both of them, I question their culpability. So maybe this is, I don't know, you can tie this into what you said maybe, I don't know. 
But like, you can't accidentally, can you accidentally sin? No. No, you have to will, it has to be an act of the will, doesn't it? But you can do something sinful. You can do something sinful without realizing the fullness of its... Right. But all of us have conscience, all of us... So, the, so I guess the idea is, if we are people who recognize, let's just, I think about this a lot. I really think about this a lot. Is there a child in my community who is hungry? I think about that a lot because I help with our local food bank. Okay. We heard it. I can know where you're going with this. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, we're, par we're made so that we know that no child should be ever, ever be hungry. We're made like that. Yeah. We need to know that. That's about, that's about being honest. Like, and it doesn't mean we know what to do about it. And I don't know what to do about it, honestly, sometimes. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't attend to that innocent child's hunger. We all, we all have a voice inside us that Our should conscience. say... Right. That child needs to be fed. Yeah. And it should bother us. That's right. If there's a child that's hungry in our community. Yeah. Right? But we, we make excuses. We use other things to cloud or to sort of silence that voice. Right. Right? And in that sense, we're culpable because we're... And that, but that's what I said. Our conscience speaks to us. Mm -hmm. And we have to... We're responsible to to answer to our conscience. It's it's sure. God's It's God's word in our life. Mm-hmm. And when we say no to it, yes, we can commit a sin, even if we don't believe in sin or even if we don't, you know, and I mean, that's pretty universal. Even people that say they don't believe in God or that there is no universal truth yeah. or whatever would still agree that there are things that are right and wrong. Even if they individually right? wouldn't, I think we can say we know a community is doing well when, when, when there are no hungry children. When there are no hungry children. There, a community that has a lot of hungry children is not doing well. Right. It's doing right? badly. That, that is bad. We would all yeah. pretty much agree with that. Um, maybe the, so it occurs to me one of the things I did at the end of my background which I'd like to mention is we do often think about this in terms of individual accountability and responsibility and individual judgment mm. which we need to but it is a reflection of our shared condition in our communities that we're, we're not talking about we're not mushrooms that was actually one of a famous political philosopher basically said people are basically like mushrooms like they just grow up overnight and they have no past, no tradition, no community. But actually, we as Christians believe that we are not just, we didn't just show up overnight like mushrooms can after it's rained or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, right. We, we're not innocent. We're not um, like a blank slate. That's another term another philosopher used to describe humans incorrectly as like basically a blank slate that comes into the world and receives impressions and then gets modified and shaped into the people we become. We actually have a history, and that history is pretty mixed. Good creator bad sin so even sin itself is not is never just an individual event because it's between us and god and us and other people and in this case jesus is pointing out he's actually not saying every time you saw a poor person you help them or a person need not every time but just like when you did that means at least at some point you could recognize someone outside of yourself and see even if you didn't see him at the time be be told like that's what jesus is doing he's telling people Every time you see someone in need, you're seeing me. And your human response to that person in need to do something good for them. Who's, who's he rebuking in this? Who is he talking to in this passage? That's a good question. Is he talking to the leaders, to the religious people, um, to his apostles? Hmm. I'm going to look it up because I've got a Bible here. Yeah. Okay. How would that change things for you? Go, go Spell it or out maybe there. it's just a mixed crowd. I well, wonder if it's a mixed crowd. That's what I wonder. Yeah, I kind of think I think kind of think maybe it is, but yeah. it, it just it changes things for me because what this this whole passage is a rebuke to those who presume 
that in their religious practice they mm-hmm. are justified. Right. That that by right 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 that by focusing on Jesus. Yep. Okay. <laughs> like I'm taking care of Jesus. Like for for me, I'm a Catholic. You're a Catholic. For us, that could look like um, going to church, making mm-hmm. sure that you you know follow the like the our our Sunday obligation and and uh, doing doing good things around the church, praying lots, going to small groups, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, which are all good things. I'm not saying they're bad things. Yeah. But then presuming that that is enough. Right. 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 Because the second group has done those things. They're saying, when did we see you hungry? When did, to me, that's like, I did all the things I was asked to do. I did, mm-hmm. I followed, I'm thinking of the Pharisees. I followed the law to the letter. Yeah. I did everything that the law said to do. I didn't do anything the law didn't say to do. How then are you coming in, and now you're saying, depart from me mm-hmm. when I did what I was supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Um, am I totally off there? No, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I was thinking that's like a rebuke to anyone who's presumptuous about right. their so, practice, their religious practice. In the Old Testament, and I think actually the Catholic tradition as a whole picks this up, you can't separate the prophetic from the priestly, the priestly being the worship of God in the Old Testament focused on the temple, and the prophetic being announcing the injustice and calling people back to especially caring for the poor, the widowed, the orphans, the strangers. That's what the Old Testament prophets collectively that's what they remind people that's what God wants us to do. Um, but many of them, including, for instance, Isaiah, probably the, well, the greatest of the Old Testament prophets in many ways, was also a priest. So that you can't, like there's a tendency in the modern world to separate out, let's just say social justice gets associated with like a very secular movement of like trying to fix the world, you know, through socialism or something mm-hmm. or activism. And then you've got like religious people who are saying, oh, that's terrible, Let's shove that aside. Just focus on worshiping God and making sure that we are not committing mortal sins. And Jesus is basically doing what you said, I think, here in this passage, reminding religious people like us that unless we are caring for people who are poor and in need, we are not fulfilling all of who God wants us to be. Something like that. He's saying that to them. And then to the first group, he's saying something else, something right. too, which is that... Even if you weren't... Yeah, even, if, even though observant. you didn't realize it. Yeah. You didn't realize I was there, even if you don't necessarily. Yeah. I think I think in the first group, mm-hmm. I think he's he's including some people who maybe don't even know him. Yeah. He's including some he has to be. Yeah. These are people that have no idea what he's talking about. Sure. They're like sure. me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but, mm-hmm. but I I didn't I didn't help you. Right. And when when they say that, when those, when that group says that. I didn't like. When did we see you mm-hmm. hungry and feed you, or thirsty and clothe you, thir- thirsty and give you drink? They're they're basically saying like, to me anyway. This is my interpretation. Uh, we we had nothing to do with with this. We're, right. We're not even. We we weren't even doing the right. We didn't think we were doing the right thing, or maybe sure. we were doing the right thing, but we didn't kind of fit in with the mm-hmm. the practice or whatever we were supposed to be doing. I think it has to, we have to assume that it includes some people who maybe didn't even know him, but were listening to their conscience when, when they saw a hungry person right. and they saw the person in prison, they had mercy, they had pity. We know that God values those things, right? I desire mercy, not sacrifice. When we act in those ways, when we do those things, we're saying yes to our conscience. We're saying, we're actually doing those things to Jesus, right? And they're, he's rewarding them for that. It's a... <laughs> This passage makes me angry because. <laughs> in a lot of ways. 
but it also fills me with a great hope, you know? What's the anger, sorry? The anger is just that, like, he seems to really be, like, he seems to come down so hard on, like, the people that think they're doing the right thing, right? right. I feel sorry for those people, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel angry because they're almost like, it's almost like, we did this our whole life, and now it's like, it was all for nothing or whatever. Mm -hmm. But But then... They must have been culpable. I think that's we have to assume that too. Sure. Right. They they must have known. They must have blot, blotted out that voice in their in their right conscience. Yep. And lived a different way. It must have been um, culpable in that sense. I wanted to connect this to what we call mission. Yeah. Because this is very much tied to mission. Oh man. What? Well, I, I just I had something I was going to say after I just remembered. Go ahead, say it about mission. Yeah, you bet. Um. Ah. Uh, to, to me, this is like, this this first passage is like, the people on mission are this first group. Mm -hmm. Because they, so much of evangelization is about these things. Yeah. It is. You might think it's just about like social justice or whatever you said. And I think you could, you could reduce it to that, right? Oh, we're just, we're, yeah, we're just handing out food. We're just whatever, mm -hmm. handing out clothing. Um, I think there has to be a love there and like your heart has to be in it. But I think when when the heart of the gospel, like when the gospel is in it, and when the joy of the gospel is there, then these actions become evangelization. Right. Right. And we know that Jesus had a place in his heart. He has a place in his heart for the poor, for the, the needy, for the thirsty, for the hungry, for the people in prison. Mm -hmm. And when we focus our attention on those people, we are, we're, we're close to the heart of Jesus. What, what this is evangelization. And he's saying the people that are, are evangelizing are the first group. The people that are not, the people that only focused on yeah. the church, that only focused on their personal prayer life, that only focused on him. Yeah. Right? The people that only focused on yep. Jesus yep. are they're, the second group. Missing. Oh. Um, it scares me and it makes me excited at the same time. I don't know how to feel. Yeah. I think I, I say too much. You said joy of the gospel, which I think is important. One of the things I would say is there is a joy that is uh, the fruit of this kind of. The, the, the first group of people experience a joy in this life. And, and it's a clue. It's an important sign that we're doing what God has made us to do, which is to reach out to people in our community who are very much in need in different ways. Um, and actually, that means the second group have missed out on joy. They missed out on joy. And I was going to say, um, I think one of the things that's important is whether the people you go to when they're in need are people you actually want to get to know and not just like do stuff for, which is important and essential even, but you actually care about them as people and they know that they're they're cared for as people. That's part of the mission is like, everything's built on a foundation of relationship, not just not just helping, although helping is essential to the way Jesus lays it out, but those are people you would get to know. I don't know if this is like part of the Catholic tradition, this idea that when we go to heaven, it's the people we have reached out to in this sense that Jesus is talking about who will welcome us in. Yeah. Like, there are the people, I remember some because I'm a food so. bank locally in town, you know, I see some of the times, sometimes I see the people we've been helping, I think, well, I hope you're there when I show up because at least you might recognize me, right? This is about being recognized. I do not know you. you Depart from me. You can't, and you can't ignore this passage and, and passages like it, like I'm thinking of the, the rich man and Lazarus. Yep. Similar. Where, yeah. where Jesus rewards just these simple things. Mm -hmm. Like, like Lazarus did nothing except be hungry. Yeah. And the rich man did nothing except eat his food. And ignore Lazarus. And ignore Lazarus. Yeah. Right. Um, mm -hmm. 
the the these the the people are really important to Jesus. Yeah, and he's even he's saying these are actually the the people that you're serving are actually me, mm-hmm. right? And the also and conversely, the people that you ignore, or the people that you pretend aren't there, are also me. Yeah, right. You can't come into the church and say Jesus is here and ignore Jesus out there. You can't. You basically summarize like a lot of the early church fathers. Yeah, like I, say John Chrysostom well, say that. The, I, and this is, I mean, I'm I'm speaking to everyone out there and also, you know, to me, yeah. you know, the fingers are pointing at me because I, I'm late realizing this and trying to live this Are out. you though? Kinda. Okay. I feel, I feel like I've, I, I, I don't know. Anyway, I thought of something funny. Oh yeah. Funny things are good. Um, the life of Brian. I know the life of Brian. It's a Monty Python, Monty Python movie. Spoof of the life of Jesus. Spoof of the life of Jesus. Quite funny. It's okay. Quite inappropriate. I find it really funny. Okay. I keep going back to moments like when the guy falls in the pit and stuff. I've been, I, I was blind and now I can see. And then he falls in the pit. Um, <laughs> but no, there's a scene right at the end. They're, they're taking people out to be crucified. Right. And they all have to go through this checkpoint where there's a Roman guy mm-hmm. standing there. He's got a clipboard and they're coming up and each one of them, he asks crucifixion. And then they say, yes. And then he, uh, over there to the left, crosses are on the right or whatever. Like he's basically giving instructions, right? And this, like they're at a government office. Like they're at a government office. Crucifixion. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just uh, over there to your left. <laughs> Crucifixion. And this one guy, this one smart aleck goes, no, freedom. And the guy goes, oh, he checks his, his ledger and he's like, freedom. Well, um, okay, well, um, you can just use the door right over there. And then the guy goes, no, just kidding. Crucifixion. <laughs> right? It's really funny. No, I was just kidding with you. No, actually, I'm supposed to be crucified. He's like, oh. And then, and then the Roman guard goes, oh, yeah, I've kind of been, you know, fooled. All right, well, over there to the left, you know. And then the guy goes, so. But the reason I bring this up is because I can't get over the fact that the first group argues with Jesus about whether they're saved. Right, right. Like, like they basically are like, when did we, uh, check your ledger because yeah, I yeah. didn't, I'm, I don't actually yeah, yeah, deserve yeah. to go to heaven. Right, right. Like if it were me and I was in that situation, yeah. I'd be like, yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. We'll see you later. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks. And like, I'd be like right in there. Yeah. Right. So the idea, like they've maybe... almost got this, like, okay, so I'm going to read into that. Mm-hmm. And what I'm reading into that is that they, they recognize that they're actually not worthy. Mm-hmm. So they, they're actually in touch with what you said in the backgrounder, mm-hmm. which is that, which is a real gift to be in touch with, which is that we're all actually in trouble. Um, where is it? The whole world is enmeshed in sin. We are simply unable to untangle the knots of harm, which we have caused each other. Their surprise comes from the fact that they know mm-hmm. that they are tangled up they're imp- implicated. and that they can't get yep. there. And when Jesus says it, they're shocked. Yeah. And the other people are on the other, they, they've got it mixed up. They think they think they've, they they think think they've, they've figured it out. Set themselves apart. That they've done the it. Mass that the no, like, uh, they're expecting Jesus right. to say, come into the, come into the kingdom of heaven. Because you, you were pure. You, were, you had a pure life. That's right. That's what they're expecting yeah. him to say. And he says the opposite. It's yeah. quite a shocking uh, So maybe passage. maybe one thing just occurred to me that might be helpful is in the Old Testament that is leading up to the time that Jesus appears on earth in human, is in earth on human form in human form, um, 
God is so revered, and we still hold on to that today as Christians, uh, as completely above and beyond any shadow of weakness or poverty or need or, or, or you know, physical ailment. Like there's, that's just, God is completely beyond any hint of that in this world. So Jesus comes into this world and he actually starts to say these things. And it's, it's the shocking part is this is me. And I was thinking about, actually, this is a portrait in a sense of Jesus on the cross, right? This portrait of who is the person in need? Well, he's literally naked. He's literally hungry, he's thirsty. He is beyond prison in a sense. He's been a, he's a convicted criminal. He's yep. ill in the sense that he's dying. All those things really refer to Jesus on the cross. And he's talking about himself and he's, he is identifying himself with therefore all human suffering is in some way a sharing of his own humiliation and suffering on the cross. This is like, this is who I am. And I, who am one with God, I am God, I'm the son of God. I'm actually entering into this desperate situation that you're in. And that's why you can never separate people are poor and suffering. Anyone is poor and suffering from Jesus on the cross, right? So like, mm -hmm. we, that is kind of where we see him. It's, yep. it's a self-portrait in a way. Yeah, Sam, you think we're, uh, Enough for oh, I think we've been rambling on for lots long. It wasn't just rambling. No, I, I get really excited about this passage. Yeah, in both a good and bad way. I know I've got work to do. Yeah, in how uh, I understand my own need for salvation and yeah, the poor and everything else. I think one thing is if if you're hearing this and you feel like you really need to respond to it because it's been difficult for you to see this and you're just noticing this or any one of us, no matter how far we are no matter where we are in a journey of faith. What I would say is this, it's also important to say to me, for me, me to say to myself and to, to everyone, God's grace, God's Holy Spirit actually helps us with this so that we're not doing this alone. We're doing this as a church community. That's what we are supposed to be as a community. We're doing this with each other and we're doing this really with the Holy Spirit. How do we even recognize people as, but where do we see Jesus in them? Well, the Holy Spirit. And how do we respond? The Holy Spirit. Like I, I think, realizing this is not like we don't have to solve all the world's problems that is important and that's why i say i think we have to trust that god will lead us where he needs us and give us the strength to do what he wants us to do yeah shall we end in prayer i'd say in the name of the father the son of the holy spirit amen god our father in heaven thank you for bringing us together as your people and also for opening our eyes through the power of your spirit to see your son Jesus, especially in people in need. And we pray for the, the joy of the gospel, the gift that you give us, a sign that we're on the right path, that when we're reaching out to those who may not yet know you, who may be suffering or struggling in any way, we are in a beautiful way reaching out to Jesus. So we praise and thank you for all your, all your gifts, including the gift of judgment, which reveals, us to, reveals to us who we are and gives us the grace to be transformed reconciled and healed we pray these things in jesus name amen amen this has been thursday an appetizer he's so, see you next time see you next time <laughs>